Hello, Reinas. Welcome back to another episode on the Crown with Confidence podcast. Today, we are in our third episode of the Healing with Confidence series. And I'm excited to bring on our guest, Mariana Monterubio. She is the founder of Mommy on a Mission, a wife, a mom of five. She's a life coach, the host of the Mommy on a Mission podcast. And she recently just became a self-published author. Her book is called Mommy on a Mission, a guide towards self-healing, towards healing, self-discovery, and walking in confidence. This episode, we talk about things from our past that actually have helped her to become the woman that she is today. And I love this conversation because despite everything that she went through, I really see that she broke a lot of generational chains in this in her life to be where she's at and to become and accomplish all these amazing things that she's doing like i love that she's doing so many things and encouraging women to be the best versions of themselves and i really feel that god has used her past to really bring her forward in this area of helping other women so I'm excited to launch this episode. We have a conversation about where she's come from and what it is that she's doing today. So I hope that you're inspired by this episode. Let's get into it. What's up, Reina? Welcome to the Crown with Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Monica Rojas, a faith-led wife, homeschool mom, coach, and founder of BoxFit Queen. My mission here is to help you feel confident in your God-given identity and motherhood because, Reina, I know it isn't easy being a mom at home when you're struggling to feel good about yourself. As someone who struggled with her identity and went down a dark path of drug and alcohol addiction, self-abuse, postpartum depression, and no self-confidence, I can tell you that it's only through God's grace and mercy that I stand here today with over eight years clean, happy, and confident with a desire to want to help other moms feel good about themselves. I know in my heart God created you for a special purpose, to love and pour into your children. And as difficult as that can be, you were chosen to have this beautiful gift. It's time to step into your best version of yourself by pouring into your own cup first. And that begins here. As a former boxer and boxing fitness trainer for moms, I've witnessed the powerful results of seeing moms feel confident and empowered with themselves. And it's through this beautiful mission that God put in my heart with BoxFit Queens. So if you're ready to dig deeper in your healing journey, let's straighten that crown, lace up those gloves because you have already been crowned with confidence. Let's get it, girl. All right, before we get started into today's episode, I first want to invite you again to our 30-day confident mom challenge. The 30 days just finished up from the first time the 30-day challenge was launched. So a new 30 days is going to be starting back up. I'm going to kick it off again next Monday. It will be the same workouts, but what will be different is that I will be adding in an extra 
calendar that you can follow because I got feedback from this challenge and I heard that some of you do like to or can commit to three days a week some of you five days uh, and so I wanted to take that into consideration and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you different versions of calendars you can download so you can still follow along with this challenge and get some results 30 day confident mom boxing challenge next Monday I'll see you there What's up, Mariana? Welcome to the Crown with Confidence podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Of I'm so excited. course. I'm excited to have you. Can you please introduce yourself to the ladies and listeners? Absolutely. So my name is Mariana Monterrubio. Um, I actually live south of Houston. Um, and so a little bit about me. So I'm a life coach. Um, I'm also a podcaster. Um, and just up until recently, I became a self-published author. My book did make the best seller, sellers list on Amazon. So I'm very proud of that. Um, I'm a mom. I've got five kids, three are adults, two are young, still at home. I am married. And I'm just here trying to do what God's calling me to do. <laughs> All right. I'm so proud of you. By the way, congratulations on writing your book. And I just purchased your book. So I'm waiting for it to come in the mail. I'm excited. Um, <laughs> but I got the opportunity to meet Mariana. We we met back in at, at uh, the Rise Girl Rise gathering. And it was back in July. And that was an event that... Um, Micaela held and so I know I talked about it on this podcast but I got the chance to meet Mariana and I saw her setting up her books and her candles with her with her um her logo on it uh could you tell us what your mission's about because you you do own mommy on a mission let us know what that's about Absolutely. So it's Mommy on a Mission, um, which Mommy is an acronym, M-A-M-I, not only specifically for moms, but it it stands for Mujeres Alcanzando Metas Imposibles. And so for anyone who speaks English, it means women achieving impossible goals. And Mommy on a Mission actually started, I want to say it started many, many years ago because it is my life story in a nutshell that um, God has allowed me to utilize to be able to empower and encourage other women. And I just remember back in 2013 or 2011, maybe it was, um, I started running and I was, I always loved to run. That was my outlet to, you know, to conquer anything or, you know, forget about certain things or let go of certain things. And uh, so running to me was always very healing. And so I remember that I would use the hashtag mommy on a mission, mommy on a mission. And one day I was pumping gas at a gas station and I called one of my friends. I said, I know what mommy stands for. It stands for Mujeres Alcanzando Metas Imposibles. At the time, I didn't realize what it was actually going to be. All I thought it was going to be was for me to help other women train for a half marathon and stuff because I, people started following me because of that reason that I was running and stuff. And I kept putting that hashtag out, but later on it evolved into something completely different. That was just a foreshadowing of what God was going to use mommy on a mission for later on. Wow. That's amazing. I didn't know about that part. I didn't know that it was a hashtag before. And I know we yeah. kind of had a little meetup, me, you and Mikaela about like our, our starting of our names and stuff, which is cool, which does need to be an episode, by the way. <laughs> but I think that's so cool because I got to hear some of your story. And the reason I wanted to bring you on, because one, I just, you're so encouraging and I wanted you to shed some light 
on this show and for the listeners. But the second thing is because this is a healing with confidence series. And when I heard your story back in July about everything that you went through to get to where you are, like everybody from the outside looking in, like if I just knew you for the first time, it would be like, oh man, she's got it going on. Right. But we know that it took a journey to get there. There was a lot of healing involved. There was a lot of faith and trusting God to get you where you are. Uh, could you start with that? Just let us know a little bit about that story. Like what did that healing, I guess you could talk about what it is that got you to that place where you had to start healing. If you mind sharing that. Sure. No, absolutely. So, I mean, if we want to talk about how it all unfolded, um, you know, I, again, you know, I, I grew up in a very traditional Hispanic home. Dad was the breadwinner. Um, he's the one that made all the decisions. Mom was a stay at home mom. She was from Mexico, didn't know the English language. This was a whole new brand new culture for her. This was culture class, uh, if anything for her, cause she was 18 years old when she came into this country and they had just got married. He brought her over. And the next thing you know, she's pregnant, has these two twin girls seven months later, cause we were premature babies, didn't even know they were having twins. But over the time, you know, uh, as we were getting older, you know, we were brought up and raised to be homemakers. You know, mom didn't know anything else. That's all she knew, right? My mom didn't finish high school. Matter of fact, I think she only went up to sixth, seventh grade. And my dad did. But I think he went into the mindset of wanting to marry a traditional Mexican woman because he knew that American women would probably give him a hard time especially because of how he was or how his mentality was. And although I loved my father very, very much, but my dad was an alcoholic. My dad was a workaholic and, you know, and he was also very abusive towards my sister and I, uh, he was physically abusive and verbally abusive. And that's, yeah, I would say mentally abusive too. Um, but my dad passed away when I was 10 years old which left my mom a widow. And so she had to learn how to do a lot of things at 29. And I and my sister had to do a lot of translating. But if anything, it was more myself that was doing a lot more of the translating for her, helping her how to write bills, write a check and all that stuff. But I remember seeing my mom crying so many nights, you know, when my dad, because like I said, he was a workaholic and alcoholic, but on paydays, you know, he would get all dressed up, whatever. He would give my mom a little bit of money. He would make sure the bills got paid. And the next thing you know, you know, he was uh, out spending money on drinks and probably other women. And I remember seeing my mom cry. Well, that put a rift between me and my mom after my dad passed away. Over time, it did. And uh, and then she ended up getting remarried and stuff. And so I kind of felt like my place was, I, I felt very out of place now. I didn't know what my role was anymore um, as a teenager. And so because of some differences that we experienced, I ended up living with my grandparents, which was my dad parent. Um, now. Fast forward, 17 years old, I get married for the first time and not because I was pregnant. It was just because I was just trying to find my place. You know, I, I, I just felt so out of place for so long that I was starting to feel unloved, undeserving, unwanted. Uh, and then after five years, we had our son when I was 19 years old. And then after five years, uh, we get divorced. You know, and then lo and behold, I moved to San Antonio. <laughs> I moved to San Antonio, Texas. That was back in 97. 
And eight months later, I would meet the man who would then become my second husband and the father of my next two children. Um, and that started just like any romantic story. You know, he was, you know, he, we were, I was 22, he was 23 or I was 21. He was 23. And, um, you know, we fell in love. I mean, we, we were attracted to each other. We were attracted to each other more because he was social. I was social. He could attract just about anybody. He was an aviation mechanic, you know, and I was trying to start a new life. And I felt like, man, this guy gets me. He loves the same music I love. He loves the same team I love, you know, all of these things, you know, and it started out great. Well, two years into our relationship, I was pregnant. I, we had our son, our first son. And then next thing you know, I find out I'm pregnant with my daughter. And that, that's when pretty much I found out about the second life he was leading. And that life was the life of addiction. Um, he was addicted to drugs uh, at the time. It like, it started out with weed and then it ended up escalating to cocaine. Um, and then he wasn't a big drinker, but it's like, because of his cocaine addiction, alcohol was involved because it only enhanced the drug of his choice. And that's when my life really started to change. Um, abuse started happening. And so if you think about it, all of those years later, I'm pretty much reliving a life my mom was living. You know, there was, you know, he was out cheating on me. He was out, he was out working, um, he was making the money. I was at home. Um, and pretty much he was, he didn't want me working. He wanted me to stay home with the kids. He, he, you know, but his drug addiction started to make things disappear. And when I say that, I mean like things from the house or, you know, um, he was pawning. He started to pawn stuff. His behavior was changing. I started questioning the abuse started and it just started a snowball effect. You know, now he's going in and out of rehab because his job was asking him to, him to not because he was ready or accepting that he was he was needing rehab. He was going because he was mandated to go. Right. And so I remember trying to leave him for the first time. And I, that was right after our daughter was born. And uh, I ended up coming back to my hometown Well, he finds me and he moved himself right back into our lives uh, because he said that I was not going to be able to leave him, that I was not going to be able to amount to anything without him, that I was nothing without him. Um, I was never going to accomplish anything, you know, that I needed him. And after so long, so for women who have never been in an abusive relationship, don't truly understand that because when you're the person outside looking in, you see, logically, you see everything that's wrong, right? You can already see it. You can sense it's just like me now. I'm in a place where I can see other people and the things that they're going through. And it's very easy for someone who's on the outside looking in to say, oh, man, well, if that was me, I would leave. Or if that was, you know, if I was in that situation, I would ha tell him he, he'd have to go, you know, like he ain't gonna play me like that, you know, type right, of mentality. Right. But the truth of the matter is, it doesn't start off like that. It slowly becomes that. So by the time you do realize there's something wrong, you're already knee deep in this whole situation. And you really don't know how to get out of it like you want to. But by that point, it's just like our, it's just like the enemy, right? He knows our weaknesses. He knows where to get us. And they say that the enemy will try to, you know, the first thing that they're going to want to attack is your family. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's that, and they know how to manipulate you. They know your buttons. 
They know your, your weak spots. Um, so they know exactly what to say to you in order for you not to act on what it is that you need to be doing for yourself or for your family. And so I recall one night that uh, I was in by this at this point, this is when I found out how deep he was into his addiction was I was pregnant with my daughter and I got a phone call in the middle of the night. And in the middle of the night, I, uh, I hear the phone ring. I answer it. And it's someone looking for my ex-husband that if he didn't pay up, they were going to come kill me and the kids. Now here's the scary part. I didn't even know that there was cameras in my house. They knew exactly where I was. They knew exactly what I was wearing. They knew exactly what the kids were at, where they were sleeping and stuff. And I'm like, what are you, are you serious? Like, you know, um, and I'm freaking out. I'm crying. So I do the unthinkable. I, out of fear and desperation, I ended up going into my mom and my sister's uh, bank account because I had helped them once before. And I ended up stealing money from them um, because I was afraid. I got scared. Now, mind you, by this time, the history between my mom and I was not the greatest, right? And I felt like, she would understand if I would tell her later on what would happen, she would understand what, what I had gone through. And, um, but I held on to that secret for the next five years. Okay. So now mind you, I'm 25. This happened then fast forward. Now here I am in Galveston in 2003, we're moving to Louisiana and in Louisiana, he loses another job. By this point, we're not even living in a nice home anymore. We're living like in some shack, up looking house you know like just I'm trying to make a home out of this crap place we were living in and stuff because you could clearly see that it was more like a dope fiend place you know Mm -hmm. and uh eight months later we're forced to move to Oklahoma City because he had gotten another contract job well eight months later once again he would lose his job because once again he was found with uh drugs he was uh at that point after I had questioned him um I remember he beat me up uh, from the living room all the way to the kitchen. Um, And that when I looked up, I mean, I'm like being drugged, but I looked up and I could see my my little boy looking down the stairs. And this was the first time any of the children had actually seen him hit me. And his eyes were like bulging out of his eye sockets, you know, because he was just like, what, you know, like what's happening? And um that was the day that I, he left. So he ended up leaving. I went to church, got the, my kids went to church and I went to church crying and stuff. And that's where I learned about celebrate recovery. Um, and that it wasn't just for addicts, but it was also for families of addicts. And so I was out there, I was crying. The ladies were praying the next day. I told my coworkers what was happening Uh, They all gathered around me. They prayed with me and they finally said, when are you going to leave? You know, it's in. And one of the things that they told me was it's either going to be your life or both and your children are going to be where. And so I remember going into my closet, crying and praying to God. I said, God, this is not what I want for my life. Surely this is not what you intended for me and my children. And it's almost like the next day I get all these calls from these different women because by this point I'm already I was already a baptized Christian I had given my life to Christ back in 2000 um, on Valentine's Day and that's a whole completely different story there but uh, it's a beautiful story and I've shared it once before on my on my podcast but um, I had already given my life and so you're 
you're almost stuck between um, wanting to leave a marriage, but then at the same time, you want to honor God and not leave a marriage because what others say, you know, like, you know, there's no such thing as divorce. You've got to stick it out. And so I've heard this a lot from, you know, Christian people who knew exactly after I told them that I was, you know, in this abusive relationship that the ex-husband was a drug addict and all this stuff, but they were like, no, no, no. And so you, you also have that pressure of wanting to stay because now you're being told, oh, and so it bring, brought me back to some, back when I was a teenager, that if you do wrong, God's going to punish you. Mm-hmm. And so, and I didn't want that. I wanted to honor God, but I felt like God was giving me an answer that I was needing. And that's that all of these women called that they had all slept with him. That was my opportunity. Yeah, that was my opportunity to say, okay, God is saying, because he's cheated, you're free to go from this marriage, Mm -hmm. right? And, um, and it was almost like, um, it's almost like it, it just happened right? I, I called my family. I told them exactly what was happening. I started to speak up because for a long time, I didn't. I had isolated myself. I didn't want people to know what I was going through. I felt embarrassed. I felt ashamed. I, you know, fell into depression, but I isolated myself from everybody. But the minute that I started speaking up and that I started going to celebrate recovery and that I started learning about putting boundaries, setting boundaries for myself, it wasn't about him. It was about protecting me and protecting our children. And, uh, my family sent me money. I got a one bedroom apartment. I'm living in this one bedroom apartment, just me and my two, my two younger kids, but because my oldest son was living with his, with his dad, I was working five minutes from my job, which thankfully my children were both at that job. And my executive director pulled me into the office one day and said, Hey, Mariana, when are you going to go back to college? Like you are too smart of a woman not to go to college and finish school. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm making $9 an hour. I'm living in a one bedroom apartment. I hardly have anything. And I've got these two kids. I'm a single mom. Like, how am I going to go back to school? Well, it wasn't a matter of how it was going to be a matter of when. And I took that leap of faith and I ended up going to school. My coworkers gathered around me and they told me that, Hey, we're going to help you out as much as we can. And then we started rotating our children, you know, like Each weekend, one of us was taking care of the kids so that we could have a mom break. And so that was a beautiful thing. And um, but a year later, well, so six, seven months, maybe it was a year later, a year later, um, I get a phone call from the Galveston Police Department. And they were telling me that my mom and my sisters had pressure charges on me and over what had happened when I was 25 years old. They found out and they ended up pressing charges on me. And um, so that was another thing I had to face. Right. And so I came to Galveston. I I turned myself in. I ended up having to go to court, not even knowing what was going to happen, because um, actually I was looking at prison time. There was a possibility of me going to prison. Um, But God was faithful. And instead of prison, he gave me 10 years probation that I had to serve. And I did community service. I had to pay restitution. But I knew that I was going to have to live back in my hometown again. And I stayed with my grandma and my aunts. And I, from then I was couch surfing, like from family to family, working at fast food restaurants, trying to pay this restitution enough to keep my phone on and my car note, you know, and family was helping me with the kids and stuff. Uh, And, but I kept going to school. Now I didn't want to, because I felt like if I keep going to school, 
Um, I mean, if I, if, if I'm going to be on probation, I'm going to have this on my record here. I am working. Um, now I'm not even going to be able to find a good job. You know, who's going to want to hire me? Who's going to want to even look at me with all of this stuff that I've got going on? Like I felt defeated. I felt doomed. I felt undeserving of anything. I felt like there was not going to be anything else for me out there that this was going to be my life. I was going to be, you know, I was probably going to have a felony charge on my record. I wasn't going to be able to find a job. So why go back to school? Why go to school? And my grandma says, no, you're going to finish school. If anything, she was because they can do whatever and they can say whatever. But the thing that they can't take away from you is your education. They can't take away from you those sweat and those tears of you having a degree. And that's going to open doors for you. You watch. So I was like, okay. Well, in the (laughs) middle of all that, I met my now husband. And uh, meeting him, of course, he's 10 years younger than me. And I met him and I'm, you know, he's wanting my phone number. And I'm like, dude, what do you want with me? You're 10 years younger than me. I've got three kids, a stack of bills, two ex-husbands. I might be going to prison. Like, seriously, I can't even be your (laughs) sugar mama. And you want to talk to me. And he's like, I didn't ask you for all that. You know, I, I want, I see you. I see you. And I was like, wow. And uh, so, yeah, in 2008, I ended up getting my degree. We ended up getting married. We ended up getting pregnant with our first daughter. And Hurricane Ike happened. So that happens. A year later, um, I get laid off from my job. And uh, I'm like, okay, Here's here's the moment of truth. Am I going to be able to find a job or not? I'm on probation. Who's going to want to hire me? And lo and behold, a nonprofit organization heard my story, knew what it was about. And they said, you are the person that we want to work here. We don't care that you're on probation. Make sure that you meet all the requirements that you need to meet. But we want you to start working here. And that was that was 13 years ago. And ever since then, I've been in my career, that 10-year sentence got reduced to seven. Um, Instead of a felony, ended up getting a misdemeanor. Mm -hmm. Um, God had opened all of these doors. I've been able to work with all of these wonderful people in my life from all walks of life. And it was because of that particular, this particular opportunity of being a coach that I was able to learn about forgiveness, truly learn about forgiveness, see the other side of addiction on the addict's perspective on their side, you know, what they're feeling. Because see, when you're in a relationship, you only see what you're going through, right? You don't see their story. You don't see the other side of why they became addicts or anything like that. So it gave me um, an opportunity for me to learn how to forgive. Um, how to let go of anger and bitterness because I was very, very much angry with him. I was angry with my mom. I was angry with my sisters. I was bitter. I was sad. I was depressed. There were times that I wanted to, you know, I considered suicide, you know, so it, it was really, really hard during that time frame because I really just didn't know what was going to happen. And here I am now, 19 years later from that point and I'm looking at my life and I'm like wow God you showed up (laughs) and showed out look at what you've done and it was by no means was it easy at all and so that's why I say you know 
that was exactly mommy on a mission represented more than me just training for a marathon, a half marathon. Because if you think about it, when you're running a half marathon, it starts out easy. You could probably run a mile, maybe even two miles, three miles. Now, some people are like three miles is still too much for me. Right. But you can run one mile, two mile, three mile, up to three miles. But when you start hitting and go into six miles and then you get to that wall, you're like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can finish this. I don't know. You being an athlete know what that means. You, you oh, know, yeah. know exactly what I'm talking about because you're, you're, you can do it. And then you hit this wall and you don't know how to push through that wall. You don't know how to keep going and you want to, it's easy to, to say, I quit. I'm done. You know, I'm never going to be able to move past where I'm at right now. And you want to give up. And that's how it was for me in life. You know, there was those times that I kept seeing, you know, roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And it's like, I don't want to pursue this. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. I'm tired. I can't. I quit, you know. And those are those self-limiting beliefs that we start to internalize and we take. And we don't even realize that we're lying to ourselves, right? right. And, but it takes having community, having people, having to be open and honest about how you're feeling um, to let others come in. Because as women, a lot of times we don't know how to let, we don't know how to let others come in. I don't know. It's just very hard for us women, right? Because we, we, we're so accustomed to carry the load of everything that we don't know how to accept help from others. Yeah. And, and that, and so that was my reality. But, um, but like I said, you know, it, it just took me to go through all of that. And then here I am today. So yeah, you know, people will look yeah. at me and they're like, dang girl, you know, I want to be just <laughs> like you. You've got to go. You've got it all together. Like you're yeah. like, man, you would have met me 19 years ago. I was a hot mess. <laughs> I could relate to that. Like that, that was so much good stuff, by the way. Like, thank you for sharing that because I can relate to having an alcoholic father, you know, I share that, you know, I was in active addiction for about 10 years of my life, you know, for, by the grace of God, I've been clean for over eight years now. Uh, no drink, no uh-huh. drug, no nothing. And, um, and, you know, my husband's in recovery, I met my husband in recovery. So I can really relate to that, that experience of people telling you or asking you, like, why can't you just stop? You know, why can't and, and it's deeper than it's always been deeper than just the drugs, you know, and that's what I've learned. Because even as the drugs went down, like I put the drugs down, the drinking down, other things resurface, other things that I hadn't dealt with started resurfacing, which is why now there's an area in my life where I'm working on and it's my anger, right? Because I didn't realize how deep rooted that was. But you shared a lot of good things. And you know, you talked about the relationship and all the things that kind of really played a part in in you, like it was all in the timing, we can't see it because there's so much pain, there's so much confusion, there's so much um, lack of trust, like, we just really don't. And then a lot of the times we're questioning our identity, we're questioning God, and we just don't understand, right? Um, I'm going to mm-hmm. share quick a quick little story. Like when I was when my dad got ill, I had just been clean for maybe like 10 months. And mind you, this was after coming off of multiple relapses. I kept, you know, I even managed to not, you know, do drugs or drink for like a whole year. And then I went right back to it. And it was really hard for me. I really struggled. Um, But this time around, I had been clean about like 10 months. And my dad, I got I got in this relationship with a guy that reminded me a lot of my father. 
And I kind of, and mind you, I had been with women for 10 years. So I hadn't been with a guy in a long time. And then I get with this guy. And the first guy I get with, I get with him around the time that my dad's ill. So you probably imagine that that didn't play out too well. Right. And, um, and there was just a lot of abuse and, you know, a lot of verbal, but there was some physical abuse. Right. And Mm -hmm. I remember that feeling of like, what am I struggling to let go of here? Right. And it was because it was so familiar. And a lot of the times that familiarity, that, that comfort keeps us trapped in places that we know God doesn't want us to stay in. Like God Mm -hmm. doesn't want us to stay complacent and comfortable, especially in situations like that. Right. And so I just want to tell you that I can't even imagine like having been in a marriage and having children with somebody and dealing with that because just being in that relationship less than a year, it was so hard for me to let this person go. And, um, and then my dad passed away and even more, right? Like more issues resurfaced more, Mm -hmm. like I felt more low, low self-worth, low self-esteem. And, um, and then, you know, not within a few months, I met my now husband, you know, and which he's changed my, it's changed my life. Right. Because now I meet a man that's completely healthy. That is, you know, a a confident man that like knows, you know, he, he trusts his God, like a man of God and just an amazing man. And, I almost felt unworthy of that. And like, so I want to yeah. ask, like, was that something that you dealt with? Like when you got with your now husband, like, did you feel a lot of that unworthiness? Like still thinking like, why do, like you were saying, what do you want with me? Right. There's, there's a part of us that still lingers, like thinking, well, what does this person want? Like, I thought my hu- now husband was like, I was like, are you playing a joke on me? Like, there's no way you want me. Like, what do I got to offer you? Right. But thank God that they don't see what we see, right? Because mm-hmm. if they see what we saw, oh my God, we like, it, our, I, I just know right. that our are all messed up when we first get yeah. like in mm-hmm. this, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I, I want to say even so, because, you know, think about it, you know, I met my husband. So I left my ex-husband in 2004. 2004 October of 2004 and I met my now husband when I met him I met him in 2005 so I was still hurting I was a broken woman we were dating but our relationship for two years was a long distance relationship and so we didn't get married until 2008 we met December of 2005 going into 2006. And so for two years, it was a long distance relationship. He was in a completely different city. I was here with my family. So I'm kind of thankful for those times because we didn't, our relationship was based off of talking communication. It was about, you know, um, getting to know each other as opposed to just the physical and always being with each other. So we had a lot of late night conversations together, but, Absolutely. Like I would look at my husband and I'm like, why is he with me? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't even deserve him. And I remember one night crying and we weren't even married yet. And he's like, why are you crying? I said, why are you even with me? Like, and and forgive me for how I'm going to say this, but I'm like, I'm a piece of shit. Nobody wants me. No, you know, you shouldn't even be with me. Like, you don't, I don't deserve to have you, you know, like I don't deserve to be in your life, you know, because why I, I said I am trampled I am I've been stepped on I've been you know I've been hurt I've been this I've been that and so I was like why are you even with me and even later as I was and it was crazy because I was learning how to identify 
triggers in my life. Like I remember when I did move down here and I did find a job before I started working at Jack in the Box, I, I had a different position and he sent me a bouquet. He sent me some daisies and I reacted angrily. See, re daisies are, were my, are, are my favorite flowers, but he sent me those daisies and right away I wanted to rip like his head off because I was just like, why are you sending me this? Are you cheating on me? Did you do something wrong? Are you about to do something wrong? And the, the reason why is because every time my ex-husband was did wrong, he would bring me flowers as a makeup. Mm. It got to the point where he got me daisies, a real beautiful arrangement of daisies and said, here, I'm giving this to you now because I'm probably going to mess up later on. Wow. And so it's like, so it's yeah. like, yeah. And so even something like that, as simple as a daisy, triggered some emotion inside of me and like I was dealing with so much and I had to ask my husband several times for forgiveness because I would react a certain kind of way and he just did not understand what was happening he goes all I want to do is love you that's all I want to do is love you and yet here I felt like I was unworthy of any of that and then that's when I decided that it was time for me to start going to therapy and not just any therapist. I needed a Christian counselor mm -hmm. because I wanted someone that was going to be able to read scripture to me. And then I started going into gr uh, small groups and started talking. And that's when I started reading God's word because somebody said, you need to read God's word and let God tell you how he sees you, mm, you know, okay. and I know that you don't deserve you feel like you don't deserve that, but I'm going to tell you what God says you deserve. I'm going to, he goes, I want you to read and see what God, how God thinks of you, you know? And I, so when I started reading that, I would pray and then I would just start crying every time I would read something new about how God saw me, how God said that we were fearfully and wonderfully made. When you're reading Proverbs 31 and you're listening to the list of things, you know, of who he made you to be, uh, when he's telling you that he wants to crown you with these jewels and all this stuff, you know, when, when he sees you as a, uh, as a flower and stuff. And to me, it's like, oh my God, you know, this is how he sees me. And so slowly, slowly I started, it, it was even hard for me to accept even a compliment. If somebody told me, oh, you look pretty today. I'm like, I do. Right. No. And this whole thing, like, this is from like family dollar, you know, like, but I always found a negative, right? But that's what happens because we lose, we've lost our identity. We've lost, we, we start to lose our self-worth. We start to lose our self-love. We start to lose a lot of these things, which brings me to what Mommy on a Mission, the book, it's a guide towards, you know, healing, self-discovery and walking in confidence is all about. It's about not so much all of the pain and suffering that I went through, which is going to talk about that, but it's going to talk about the lessons that I learned along the way and how I started to change my mindset and how I started to learn how to love myself, how to um, acknowledge that I, I am everything that God says that I am. And then he's going to open doors of opportunity for me um, and that I can walk without fear, knowing that he's going to be by my side. Because if I look at the trajectory of my life and see all of the things that I had to walk through and that God was there all the way, like there's nothing that he can't do. People told me I was never going to find a good job. That's a lie. 
Right. Look at you. <laughs> I was I was making I was making more money than my probation officer. <laughs> yeah. Wow. See, that's amazing though. Like I and I love how you're talking about the the therapeutic part because even even then like the the way I see it is like this is why the inner healing is so important because even though we read scripture and we see what God says about us our broken lenses still don't let us see that sometimes because while we're reading the scripture and people are telling us like, Hey, this is what God says about you. Like a lot of the times I know for me, I, I was around that scripture a lot, like those scriptures a lot, but I didn't believe that it was for me because I still felt so broken that I didn't even feel Mm -hmm. worthy of God's love. And through my process too, like I'm in a 12 step program um, still to this day, right? Like working constantly on myself and, one of the things that I realized is that I had to reshape um, and I had to redefine the way that I viewed God because God is also mm-hmm. considered one of the relationships that I had. And I realized that I still viewed God from the lenses that I viewed my father, yes. my, my, yes. my earthly father, right? Like, ab- yes. like you know, abusive and controlling and yes. disciplining. And I didn't realize I had to change those lenses too, right? Absolutely. Because, yes. Because now when we start seeing them from a new lens, we start to see, okay, you know, show me who you are. Show me how you see me. Now comes the real work of like, okay, now I got to start walking in this and, and stepping into this, like, like the way God says that I am. Right. And so I learned today that I have to, I have to live my life congruent with what, what is said, spoken about me and my identity, right. Mm-hmm. That God says, and it's like, I, like I said, I feel that a lot of the times, you know, we're like, oh yeah, well, God, God's good. God, you know, God's love, but are you walking in love? Are you treating people in love? Right. Walking and healing like you're like, you know, the way you're viewed. And so that's just kind of some of the things that I'm learning a lot in my journey too, is like in this healing part, like we also are learning a lot about ourselves, but we're also learning to let go of the belief systems, right? That don't serve us anymore. Because like you said earlier, you viewed God as punishing and that's how I viewed them too. So how are you going to, how do you step into a relationship with somebody that's a punisher and quote unquote, kind of making God look like an abuser, right? It's kind of what we used to look at it as. And so I just, I, I think that it's amazing that, you know, you've, you've done so much work to get to where you're at because now we get to talk about, you know, the things that you do more. So like now you're talking about you coach and, you know, you have a podcast, you wrote a book, like I'm so inspired by that. I can't wait to read your book, but um, what is something that, you know, you want to leave here with the women that are struggling or maybe, you know, they're moms and they're just still trying to figure things out. Maybe they're healing from a tough past and, and they're trying to like figure this thing out while being moms and trying to work on themselves. What piece of advice would you leave with them today? Absolutely. Well, you know, first and foremost, I'm I'm just going to say this. Um, prayer was always the first thing that I went to, you know, um, I always went to God first in prayer and asked him to put the right people in my life that were going to help me support me in the sense of where I was going to need that support. Right. But what I would say is if you are someone who is in an abusive relationship or dealing with someone who is an addict um, and you feel like you can't leave, my suggestion is find a place that offers celebrate recovery 
because it's going to be very helpful information. You're going to be part of a support system of women or or people in general that are going to be able to relate to some of the feelings that you're you're going through. You're going to realize you're not by yourself, right? And then it's also going to give you an understanding of setting those boundaries, you know, and it's going to have you walk through things because you're also going to have to identify. And see, that's another thing too, is that we play a role, even though we're the other partner in this situation, we play a role because everybody plays a responsibility, a role, you know, we're enablers. Okay, mm-hmm. so we enable certain behaviors. One could be because we just absolutely don't know. We think that we're trying to help. And in reality, we're hurting that person. Right. Because I remember there were times that I would nurse him right back into health, not even realizing what was really going on. Like, I didn't know what withdrawals were because I didn't know what drugs were. I never did. them, And so. um So I didn't know the effects of it, you know, now drinking was a completely different thing. And for some reason, I didn't associate drinking and drugs to be, you know, connected, but it it really is uh, because I drank a lot to kind of like uh, uh, suppress some hurt. But I was very fortunate that I did not become an alcoholic. I did drink a lot, but I, I wasn't. I don't consider I don't think that I became an alcoholic because I never had a problem not drinking. And even to this day, if I do have a drink, I know that I can just have one and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas it didn't escalate. But I would just say, you know, get a find a support system, find a support system. And if you are in a relationship that you are wanting to leave, then have a plan of action. Um, create a plan of action. Don't just go out there blindly, go, go out there, you know you know, without an idea of what you're going to do next, have a plan of action and start planning those steps. And I'm not saying that I'm telling you to leave. I'm just saying that if you are, then take some necessary steps in order to do so safely. um, And to know that you have a support system to lean on during that time of transition, because that is what really truly helped me. I, I say this all the time without fail is that that community of women that I came across in Oklahoma city was the best community that I had. And that was the first time that I truly saw what it means to come together uh, to serve God because they Mm. helped me, you know, and, and I, from that point on have always tried to connect with like-minded women that are going for that purpose of serving God's people, but also helping others that are going through things that we have gone through ourselves and for us to be there for them, which is why mommy on a mission exists today, uh, which is why I do offer life coaching because I am not a therapist. And so I say that, first of all, I'm not a therapist, but I am going to help you get to your goals. I'm going to help you accomplish your goals, but I'm also going to recommend that you go to a therapist so that you can start working on those things that you need to be working on in order for you to be able to reach those goals that you need to reach. Because if had I not dug deep and did some type of self-check on me to make some things about myself change, then I would not be where I am today. I would still be in that pit that I was in. And so I, I highly recommend that. And so um, I'm available for anyone who would love to do you know, coaching with me, because we're going to talk about some, you know, 
really deep down surface to touch the surface on some things. Right. And, and it's not going to be easy to make changes. That's one of the hardest things. The hard part is to get started. It's just like working out. You know, the hard part is to get to a gym, get to working out. But once you get going and once you start doing it, you're going to realize that all things are possible. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Mariana. Thank you so much for being here. This was incredible. I, I think your story was just so inspiring because it really let women know that despite what they're going through, you know, they they can build that courage up through God, right? If they trust and they they just take that leap of action to make changes in their life, because it's one thing to be aware and it's another thing to take action. And so awareness without action is nothing, right? So I think that's beautiful that you shared that. And so, you know, I just want you to leave with letting us know where we can connect with you, where we can purchase your book. Uh, Maybe if you have a community, anything, let us know where we can link up with you. Absolutely. So you can uh, connect with me on Mommy on a Mission, which is M-A-M-I on a mission dot com. That's my website on there. You can find my podcast. You can find some books that, I, you know, my book that's on there. But you can also go to Amazon and you can find my book on there as well under Mariana Monterrubio or Mommy on a Mission. Um, And then. Also, I have life coaching. As a matter of fact, right now, I'm recruiting uh, some beta testers because I've got some new material that I'm trying to test out. Mm -hmm. So you get uh, one-on-one life coaching with me. You get some videos, some uh, homework to do um, in exchange for your testimony. Um, Also, you get a chance to come on my podcast, but also sharing me some feedback to let me know what worked, what didn't work. So I'm offering that for free for eight weeks. So if there's anyone interested who's never had life coaching and would like to have that, connect with me. You can also find me on um, Instagram at Hola Mommy on a Mission, or you can find me on Facebook at Mommy on a Mission, or you can find me on TikTok at Mommy dot on dot a dot mission dot (laughs) yeah (laughs) so you can find me on tiktok on instagram my website but even on my website it's it's going to share all my social media so again it's you know www.mommyonamission.com awesome thank you i'm going to link all the all of her links down below so that you can reach out to her and again if you any of you are interested in coaching with her please reach out to her she has an amazing story and i'm excited to read her book but Thank you so much, Mariana. You have a blessed day and thank you for being on the show. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much, Reinas, for listening to today's show. If this episode has impacted you in any way, please share this message with another mom or woman that's needing to hear this message. Because together, we can continue to be strong in our identities and stay crowned with confidence. If you're wanting to know more about our mission here at BoxFit Queens, please visit our website at www.boxfitqueens.com and follow our YouTube channel for some more amazing free content under BoxFit Queens as well. God bless you. Have a wonderful day, and I'll see you back here soon. Have a good day. And